Welcome to Bottom Line's Conversations with the Experts. I'm Sarah Heiner, President of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled today to be talking to Dr. Lori Steelsmith, a leading licensed naturopathic physician specializing in women's health. She's the co-author of several books, including the critically acclaimed book, Natural Choices for Women's Health. Lori's also one of Bottom Line's team of expert bloggers. You can find her blog, Natural Healing Secrets for Women, at BottomLineInc.com. And you can learn more about Lori's very busy practice in Hawaii at naturalchoicesforwomen.com. So welcome, Lori. Thank you. Oh, thank you, too. Well, you know, your blog is getting great reception so far. So I'm really excited that you joined our happy band of bloggers. Oh, me, too. I've so enjoyed writing them, and I can't wait to write more. Oh, good. Good, good, good. And, you know, one of the topics that you just wrote about is, oddly, one of the, one of the most popular topics on our website, which is vaginal dryness. Nobody talks Great. about it. Nobody asks about it. Nobody wants to know about it, but they all secretly are searching because they're suffering from it. Yes, and it's real. It happens. I see it every day yeah. in, my in my practice. So here's my theory on it. I have a theory that a lot of women don't even know that they're dry. They know they have pain, but I'm not even sure that they know that they're dry. So talk about to be the character, Greg. How do you even know that you're dry versus painful? Well, you know, patients come in and they're just like, it feels kind of burning at the opening to their vagina. And when they wipe, you know, after they go to the bathroom and they urinate, it feels dry with the tissue paper. And, you know, some patients come in and they say they think they have a vaginal infection because there's that burning sensation. You know, it's, it's not like an extreme burn. It's just this, like, you're, you don't really want your awareness going there all day, but their awareness is there all day because it's like this isn't comfortable. And, um, you know, this typically occurs in women who are postpartum, and it also occurs in women in perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause. So can so, you, though, be dry? Can you have internal dryness and not have vulvar pain? Vul Vulvar pain? Am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, um, vulvar pain. Thank uh -huh. you. <laughs> so, yeah, but typically it all goes together right. because the tissues of the, the vulva, which consist of the clitoris, the clitoral hood, the inner and the outer labia, the urethra, the vaginal opening, all those tissues are estrogen dependent. And the vagina itself is also estrogen dependent. So when estrogen levels decline significantly, like when a woman is breastfeeding or she's postpartum, or when a woman is in perimenopause and menopause, postmenopause, then these tissues become thin and they become dry. They, they don't have the same amount of lubrication and they don't have the same amount of elasticity either. And then hence, hence pain. Um, and hence pain with sex or or pain just the tissue itself on the outside can be more tender so it's interesting i went to my doctor because we're just for my annual physical and i you know and i i said that i've been having some pain and he looked and he said everything looks fine now you talked about in your blog that you actually with your patient showed in the mirror you could say you can look at the tissue and it looks yes. thin and dry and red now, my doctor yes. never said a word to me, and maybe it did to him, but to him it was looking, I'll call it normal, right? That's right. So should someone ask, should someone ask their doctor to about this specifically? Again, doctors kind of have a threshold of it's fine, right, versus necessarily communicating breakdown, you know, breakdown or subtle changes. That's right. Okay, so... 
you know, what I think we need to do is write a little book, or we could even do a blog on this, where we have a picture right. <laughs> of the vulva of a patient who's maybe 30, okay, and has not, you know, is not postpartum. And let's take a look at her vulva, okay? And it's like, nice and pink and moist and and there's no redness and the tissue has like little um uh has definition to it right whereas you look at a patient's vulva who's 55 and she's maybe seven years out from having her last period she's never used estrogen the tissue is thin and glassy and can be red like at the very um the bottom of the opening of the vagina right like kind of near the perineum um, you know, and, and you can touch it with a Q-tip and it's tender. I mean, the, the, a woman who is seven years without any kind of hormones, the, t the architecture of the tissues changed. And she usually complains of some kind of pain with intercourse. Um, she's usually complaining that she doesn't have enough lubrication herself and has to use some kind of lubrication. And then you look at the tissue of a woman who's maybe 70 or 75 and she's never used any estrogen. And what you're going to see, going to see is that the inner and the outer labia might have even fused. So there isn't that definition. Um, you know, everything looks more dehydrated and thinner that the urethra can be much more vulnerable to urinary tract infections because the urethra itself is estrogen dependent. And so, you know, bacteria that we're all exposed to all the time from the anal area, even though we wash, even though we take baths, you know, bacteria from there is kind of all over that area all the time anyway. But it's the nice integrity of that tissue that prevents the bacteria from adhering and thriving and setting up house and, and, and basically um, creating an infection. So, you know, maintaining the integrity of that tissue is super important. So a, a woman in her 70s, you're going to see very thin, very dry, and, and a real change in the architecture of the, of the tissue of the vulva. Well, and the important thing that you're saying here, then, is that also women shouldn't suffer in silence. So someone could say, well, I'm not married, I'm not having sex, it really doesn't matter, so I have, you know, I don't, I have, I'm in pain, but if I'm not using it, what difference does it make? Except That's right. that they're vulnerable to infection. And they're, they're vulnerable, vulnerable to, to other health issues. Yeah, they're vulnerable to not only urinary tract infections, but they're also vulnerable to bacterial flora shifts, which means a woman can be more prone to yeast or bacteria. And the reason why is because estrogen helps maintain the correct pH of this tissue. And by doing that, it prevents yeast and abnormal bacteria like Gardnerella from thriving in the vaginal area or thriving in the tissues. All right. So let's talk about strategy for treatment. So now they went in and they they've got their their tissues are breaking down. So what are, how do you treat your patients? What what's step one, step two? Okay, so step one. I'm with let's say let's talk about the different types of patients. So I've got somebody who's postpartum. Okay, she doesn't really want to use any estrogen at this point. So we're going to use a water-based and oil-based lubricant, either water or oil-based, whatever she wants. She can use something as simple as coconut oil topically to help maintain the hydration of those tissues. If she's having intercourse and she doesn't want to use something that's um, oil-based, then she can use a water-based lubricant that nourishes the tissue. Now, KY jelly and some of these other water-based lubricants on the market um, even astroglide, they tend to dehydrate the tissues further because of their osmolarity. Whereas aloe-based lubricants like aloe cadabra, for instance, is one, and, I, and um, I know that you know of some other ones, actually have a better osmolarity, which means it actually helps to support and nourish and hydrate the, um, the cells of the tissues. 
So using something like um, an aloe product that's water-based on a daily basis can really help to maintain the hydration there at the vulva. And is it so adequate that, to just use that on the external tissues or do they need to also insert it in some way? Well, it's a good idea to put some on the inside, but they can just do that with their finger. They don't necessarily need an applicator, but sometimes patients have asked me for an applicator and I have gotten them one from a compounding pharmacy. So, you know, that's that's been helpful. Um, now, that's our postpartum patient. Our perimenopausal patient, you can really get away with using um, the oils and the water-based lubricants, you know, probably for a few years. And they do say, use it or lose it. So, <laughs> you know, so like the more that a woman does have sex, then the more the tissue kind of maintains it, its integrity. I mean, quite frankly, I, I always have wondered, and this is something in Chinese medicine they talk about that, and I hope I can use words like semen on the show. Um, but, you know, that semen itself has all kinds of hormone factors in it that are super nourishing to a woman's, you know, um, vagina and to vulva. So, you know, if she's having, if there's heterosexual sex going on, that can be also an additional nutritive thing. Um, well, so, you know, that's I was actually going to ask you also, I mean, again, if somebody doesn't have a, a, a male partner, um, would self-stimulation or... Um, yes. Be, yes, because be you're... Yes, because you're bringing blood, you're bringing lymphatics, you're increasing circulation to this area of the body. Um, and there's, you know, there's even in Chinese medicine, they talk about, um, you know, issues that occur in the pelvis and in the uterus that um, if, if you can stimulate the ovaries, get the ovaries going or, or bring blood and chi to this area, that in a sense, what it does is it stimulates the ovaries to continually be, you know, productive, even postmenopausal women, the ovaries are still releasing small amounts of hormone. Um, so I was watching a video of you earlier and you were talking about Kegel exercises. Oh, Just great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but is similar to, you know, talking about stimulating, circulating blood and, and oxygen and, and moving those muscles, is that, will that also help maintain lubrication or totally separate because we're now talking about tissues and hormones? I, I, what you first said is absolutely spot on. If you can continually bring chi and blood, okay, I do Chinese medicine, so I have to talk in these terms. If you continually bring the vital force into the pelvis, you will continually be nourishing this area. I mean, there's all, all kinds of wonderful things. I mean, you know, I wrote another book called Great Sex Naturally, and really what I tried to do there was wed the Chinese medicine with the Western and to bring it together because, you know, the jade egg, I don't know if you know about this, but this is something that's been used in Chinese medicine for really thousands of years where women take a jade egg and put it in their vaginas and then practice Kegel exercises around it in order to stimulate um, the vital force into their pelvic area. And it helps to increase libido. It helps to increase moisturizing. It helps to maintain the integrity of these tissues. Um, I hadn't heard of it, but I'm having fascinating images of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I was having this fears of it getting lost, but let's okay, not go right. there. Right. <laughs> okay. And then there's there, there's these other things called jade um, uh, Benoit balls, and they also Those put I've these little. Of. Yeah, the, yes. and they put those into the vagina to also help to, you know, have something to do a Kegel around. And if your listeners don't know what a Kegel is, it's basically where you're you're tightening the lower pelvic muscles, and particularly to strengthen this pubococcygeal muscle that helps to maintain 
um, the the where, where your uterus is in your pelvis because we don't really want a sagging uterus we want our uterus to stay up and to be strong and all the connective tissue of the um, lower abdomen is important in maintaining these these delicate internal organs that we have absolutely all right with all of that imagery i'm going to take a little break so we're going to talk a little bit about um your books and then we're going to come back we're going to keep talking about treatments for vaginal dryness and then i want to talk also about how sex maybe needs to be adapted as we age okay great. so be right back I'm talking to Dr. Lori Steelsmith about some of the many challenges that women face. Whether it's breast pain, vaginal pain, or emotional pain, we all want to live and love freely, but it's not easy when our bodies don't cooperate. Dr. Steelsmith is the author of several highly acclaimed books, all for sale at BottomLineStore.com. Her best-selling book, Great Sex Naturally, reveals for the first time how women can combine modern medicine, ancient secrets, and completely natural methods to dynamically recharge their sexuality. She includes all those candid questions that women have about libido, vaginal dryness, menstruation, and ovulation, but are afraid to ask anybody. Great Sex Naturally is a vital guide for women who want more fulfilling sex lives. Growing younger every day, the three essential steps for creating youthful hormone balance at any age is Dr. Steele Smith's all-purpose go-to guide for women. It's loaded with specific tips, advice, and practical information to help transform their lives forever. Dr. Steele Smith's first book, Natural Choices for Women's Health, how the Secrets of Natural and Chinese Medicine Can Create a Lifetime of Wellness, charts a course to wellness for all women. The book is divided into 10 crucial components of a woman's body. The immune system, kidneys, liver, digestive system, heart, hormones, bones, breasts, pelvis, and mental health, all of which must work together in concert in order to enjoy vital health. Natural Choices for Women's Health is a must-have reference manual for all women who know there are ways to health beyond the world of mainstream medications. You can buy all of Lori's books at bottomlinestore.com. And if you use coupon code Lori, that's L-A-U-R-I-E, you get 20% off when you buy them. Bottomlinestore.com. All right, Lori, let's go on. So we've been talking about the, um, the breakdown of the, the vaginal tissues, the redu reduction in hormones. We were talking about um, lubricants that people can use. Uh, we were talking about Kegel exercises and increasing blood and chi. Let's talk about hormones because at what point do you need to go to the next stage of treatment? Okay, great. You need to go to the next stage of treatment when the other ones aren't enough. And in fact, if I have a 57-year-old patient who hasn't used hormones in seven years and she has a lot of atrophy and vaginal dryness and pain with sex, I am going to recommend a very low-dose estrogen called estriol. In fact, estriol is 72 times weaker than estradiol, okay? So it is, and, and, estradiol's, are, and estradiol's our strongest estrogen. It's our dominant estrogen when we're young women. So estrogen est is not a single thing. Can you correct. explain that a little? Because, you know, the, yes. the, the, the word on the street is estrogen, suppl uh, estrogen um, supplementation dangerous, right? So Correct. clarify, yeah. please. Okay, so yes, estrogen has been given a black box warning since 2002, Women's Health Initiative, and basically most women think estrogen is just one thing, but in fact, it's many things. And our dominant estrogen is estradiol, 
Then we have a dominant, and that's, and that's our dominant estrogen is younger women. And then postmenopausal women, our dominant estrogen is more estrone, which is another hormone. It's 12 times weaker than estradiol. And then estriol is our dominant estrogen in, in, in pregnancy. And it's the dominant estrogen that supports the vulva and the vagina. And it's 72 times weaker than estradiol. So it's a much weaker estrogen and it's a much safer estrogen. And we use very small amounts of it to help fluff up literally and rehydrate and reconstitute the tissues of the vulva and the vagina. And even, I think you had, you said you, you had breast cancer in your family and you're comfortable using it. That if somebody oh, has breast cancer risk, they don't have to worry about this. Well, I would say that if they have breast cancer risk, we need to look at that risk and we need to look at if they've had breast cancer in the past, then we need to consider something else. But if they just have a family history using a very low dose of this hormone, I consider that to be safe. We don't have huge data in terms of like a women's health initiative level of data showing that it's hugely safe, but there is research showing that it can actually help bump off some of the stronger estrogen and it can help change receptor sites, which make it possibly even protective for breast cancer. So, you know, I think of estriol, it's also an end product estrogen, so it's not going to um, go back in terms of the chemicals into the, um, there's a, there's a whole, there's a whole hormonal cascade that takes place where estradiol can convert into estrone, which yes. can break down into some hormones, right? Well, estriol is an end product estrogen. It's not going to convert back into some more, some of the more, what we call uh, potentially carcinogenic or potentially, um, hyper proliferative types of estrogen. So we use a very low dose of this. Now for women who feel really against using any estrogen at all, sometimes I'll use just a little bit of a DHEA cream. And DHEA is an adrenal hormone that can convert to testosterone. And I'll use very low doses of this. And the good news about DHEA is that it can help support the adrenals. So for somebody who has anxiety and somebody who has fatigue and somebody who's in burnout mode, but it can also um, it can also hydrate the tissues of the vulva and the vagina and the clitoris, as well as boost a little bit of libido through converting from it converting to testosterone. And research has shown that it does not increase the endometrial lining inside the uterus. So we don't have to worry about giving additional progesterone to offset the potential proliferative effects of estriol. Now, estriol, let's go back to that. Um, I always give a little tiny bit of progesterone with it, even though medical doctors will give estrogen without progesterone if it's just being used vaginally. And every conference I've ever been to, they say, oh, you don't have to give progesterone with it. However, I have 25 years of actual clinical experience. And I can tell you that some women, when they use estriol alone at a very low dose, may start to spot or bleed. And I don't like that. I want my patients to not have that happening. And I don't want to worry about their endometrial lining. So I always give a little bit of progesterone with the estriol in order to just safeguard against any of those potential side effects. Got it. And now actually by your saying that kind of answers what my next question was going to be, which is I can Google estriol cream and I can buy it online. So okay, not ask, a good idea. That, exactly. And, I was going to ask if this is do-it-yourself medicine, but I never think anything, especially hormones, is do-it-yourself medicine. You're right. And the reason why is because, A, you don't know what the cream base is, 
right? And you need to have a cream base that will actually allow the mucous membranes of the vagina to absorb it, okay? B, you don't know if it, the hormone is actually still active because when I buy the estriol for my, well, I don't buy it, I put in a prescription for my patients, they get an expiration date that's only three months out. So, you know, what, what are we looking at in terms of how long that's been on a shelf, right? Because the estriol will break down. Mm. And, and you don't know if you're really a candidate for using estriol. Like that really needs to be assessed. If you're somebody with chronic breast cysts and tenderness, I might not use estriol. I would actually prefer to go with DHEA, something that's less uh, potential for stimulating breast tissue. And often women, when they start to use the estriol, especially that 55-year-old woman who's seven years out from having her last period, she may get nipple tenderness and a little breast stimulation. And it's like, oh, wow, wait a minute. Like, I'm, I, they start to feel like, oh, my body's really responding to this. And they have to back off on the dose. Um, you know, I think that we really need to be sure that we're giving patients the, the, the right hormone at the right time and the right dose, and that we're not doing anything that could be causing harm. Right. Uh, firmly agree. So this is really working with a naturopathic physician. Um, yes. Who's got the proper training. All right, I'm yes, gonna... although there, there are a lot of holistic MDs that are using estriol. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to switch topics a little bit. Um, not so far. Given that our bodies are changing as we age, um, are there changes to our sex practices? Are there things that people should do or try? Because some people go, oh, that hurts. I'm done. Um, right. Without right. turning this into a pornographic, you know, step by step here. Is there anything that people should consider in terms of being able to continue to be intimate and reduce risk of pain? Okay. So first thing is communication with your partner and, 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 you know, establishing healthy verbal communication about what is going on with your body to help him or her understand what's happening with your body. Number two, we have to have a little shift. I mean, I think, you know, you and I are both in our fifties, so you know, I've had to have a little shift in attitude about how I even work out in the gym. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I keep <laughs> you know? denying it, but no, the body right. just yeah. says, no. It's like, you know, my body wants me to go gently. <laughs> yes. And it's the same thing with sex. Like, it, it's not like when you were 20 and things have changed a little bit and your, and your response level has changed a little bit. And I think that it's acknowledging that, being aware of that. And, and and going with it and communicating with your partner. Because if your partner has this idea that you're supposed to be responding the way you did when you were 25 and now you're 55, you know, maybe maybe there needs to be communication about that. Yeah. Because truly, that's not even a realistic expectation. Your, your body is changing in many ways. Um, and, and I think third, we have to be aware of, of men and how, how they're changing too, right? Because you know, their bodies are changing and they may not have erections that are as hard and as intense and their orgasms may not be as hard as intense. So, you know, all of that is so important to be conscious of and, and to keep in mind, like, what is sex really about? <laughs> you know, is it is it about reaching the goal or is it really about, you know, enjoying each other and expressing your love and care for somebody? Yes. And connection. And connection. And, yes. Fabulous. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lori Steele-Smith. Informative, so smart, and people can go and sign up for your blog to get more of Lori's, Lori's 
case histories, more of, more of Lori's knowledge at our website at bottomlineinc.com. And thank you, Lori, again. Oh, you're so welcome. My pleasure.